in a, um, a fun series uh, to teach, and um, Mike is gone today, and as we were planning, you know, what would be taught while he was gone, I asked him, I said, honey, you know, what, what would you want me to speak? He said, well, I want you to talk to the women. That's what I want you to do. I, well, what do you want me to tell them? Well, what I want you, why don't you tell them why you can't communicate with me? And so we're like sitting in this brainstorm kind of area. We've got post-it notes up on the wall. So we write the idea down, put it up there. And I'm you know, like, you know, that's a really good idea, honey. And, um, but yet in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't know that I know the answer to that question. Why can't I communicate with my husband? And so I begin to, begin to quickly thinking the only answers I could come up with were, were things that I'm sure he would not want me to say up here on this stage, like, you know, hard-headedness or like, you don't have that problem in your home, but I know, you, you know what I mean? And so as I begin thinking about it, I, God just really began to show me some different things. And so this, we left it. I thought, you know what, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe I should explain to you why I can't communicate to my husband. Maybe this will just be a time of confession and it might not come across as the most eloquent message because it's kind of from my personal walk and my personal life, but I think you'll be able to identify it with it. So um, Mike's not here and I know you're probably wondering what is kind of this kind of creepy, this helium tank. He isn't here and I feel better when he's with me on the stage. I always get really nervous before I speak, but when he's with me, it, it helps a little bit, you know, and so... I uh, decided to bring um, a helper with me to help communicate the message with me today. And so uh, maybe she needs a name. You think she needs a name? What, what do we need to name her? Michaela? Anybody in here named Michaela? Okay, good. We'll go with Michaela. Okay, so there's Michaela. She's going to help me as we teach. Well, last night as I was looking back through the lesson, um, I started reminiscing about when Mike and I were dating. And I went and I got a scrapbook of notes and letters that I had written to him when we were dating. Now, there's only my letters in there because when I broke up with him in college, he burned all of mine. But I got back together with him, so I came to my senses, okay? But so I have this scrapbook of all the letters that I wrote to him and uh, began looking through them. There, there was this one that he sent to me. We were high school sweethearts, and I opened up my locker, and there was this note with one little rose that he had picked from his backyard that said, just as the Lord has brought forth the beauty in this flower, so he is doing in you. I know. I mean, it literally brought me to tears last night as I was reading it, and I thought, I wonder if he would still say that right now. And then there was another day I found this one in my locker. Now, he told me that he had a foreign exchange student write on it, I love you or I like you. I can't remember which phase of our dating relationship that was. And uh, I, he, maybe he just doodled. I don't know. But it still, it like won my heart, you know, this, this kind of communication. And then there was another one that I found in my car one day. He put it under the windshield. It was parked in the school parking lot. It said, I saw your car here, so I thought I would write you a short note. Pretty simple, huh? Just saying, I like you. Call me tonight, and as every preacher would sign his letter, to God be the glory. And so I was looking at this last night, and I mean, literally, I was like overcome with like this romantic emotion, and I started thinking, what happens when, when you get married? And the communication, all of a sudden, I'm like looking at my husband, because see, what what it was to him, I mean, I fell in love with him because I was special to him and I was a treasure to him and he was communicating this to me and, and, uh, and I communicated my love for him. You know, you know how? Because I picked him. That, that's what was communicated to him. I chose him out of all the other guys in the school. I picked him. I mean, he rocked. He was the best. 
I chose him. Even the woman in Song of Solomon, she said, listen, this is how she described her lover. He's like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover compared to all the other young men. I was communicating to my husband, you're like top notch. You're, you're, you're the best ever. And he still is. He's not here. And I can even say that. He still is. But something happens when we get married in our communication flow that we no longer communicate that to our husband anymore. And he begins to wonder, does she still think that I'm top-notch? Does she still think that I'm the pick, that I'm the apple tree out of all the other guys in the orchard? And so I want to look at a text today that um, may be a little bit difficult for us to swallow somewhat. It's in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. And I want to read these verses out loud to you. And it says this, Likewise, wives, be subject or submissive to your own husbands, so that even some who do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see, wait, go back, women. Let me have you underscore something there. That they may be won without a word. Okay, can you like just kind of go ahead and underscore that? By the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing that you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. <clears throat> go ahead and laugh and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening now as i was reading this text and considering using this as the teaching text i really kind of got a little bit nervous because there's things in here that i don't really want to talk about with you i don't want to talk about submission and i don't really want to talk about calling your husband lord and the gentle and quiet spirit, that girly kind of thing that none of us really know how to grasp or understand. And I thought, so how am I, how am I going to do this? And as I got into the text and as I was thinking about what I was trying to communicate and why I can't communicate with Mike, this first point's going to, like, it's going to tank as soon as I say it, okay? Watch. The reason that we, I cannot communicate with Mike, the very first thing, is that my heart is set against God's submissive design. See, there were no amens. Nobody was like giving me any love up here. Yeah, Lori, that's right. Because when it comes to that word submission, we like filter it through. But I can't communicate to him because I don't submit to the submissive design that God has created in his world and in his order for marriage. What we do is we hear that word submission and we filter it through. It's like it's not that we're going to have to untangle really quick here. But it, we filter it through our own experiences. You filter it through the character of your husband. You filter it through maybe how you grew up. You filter it through a church, a legalistic church you were raised in. You filter it through some other liberal Christian. You filter it through through many ways. And we never really get to a true definition of what submission is. And I want to just take a few moments. I hope we can rehabilitate the word somewhat, okay? So let me tell you real quick what it is not. Submission does not mean that you are inferior or a lesser role or you have no value. Submission does not mean that you don't have a voice. Mike and I, we make a lot of decisions together, financial decisions together, where we're going to live, where we're going to move, how we're going to raise our kids. But he's the leader by God's design in our home. But it doesn't mean that I'm not a leader. Matter of fact, leadership is one of my spiritual gifts to be exercised. 
it does not mean that it's a stay-at-home mom thing. You can still work and be a submissive wife. It doesn't mean slavery. It doesn't mean that you're a doormat. It doesn't mean men's work versus women's work. It's not a girl thing. Can you say that with me? Guys, just say it. It's not a girl thing. It's a biblical thing. First and foremost, this is a Christian theme all throughout Scripture. Look at these verses really quick quick. in Ephesians 5.21. Submission is first and foremost a Christian theme. This is what it says. Be subject to one another out of what? Reverence for Christ. Be subject to one another honoring Christ. In Ephesians 5.12, the church submits to Christ. In Hebrews 13.17, it tells the, the church that you need to you obey your leaders. They're caretakers of your soul, and they will be held accountable to God for you. And your husband will be held accountable to God for how he leads you. James 4, 7 says, submit to God and resist the devil. When my daughter Jordan called me this week, and she knew that I was going to be speaking, she asked me what I was going to be speaking on. I told her, and I said, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about it because I've got to teach this passion. It's got submission in it, and I think I might make a few enemies. There might actually be, for the first time, some people get up and walk out the message or something. I'm not real sure. And she said, you know, Mom, what God's been teaching me, she said, God's been teaching me this, that if I'm not submissive to him before I get married, I won't be submissive to my husband after I am married. Wow. What, what book are you reading, Jordan? And she said, I didn't read it. She said, God's just been teaching that to me. And I thought, wow, from a 19-year-old outside of marriage, she can already see and know because the Holy Spirit is teaching her right now that submission is first and foremost, not just a girl thing. This is a biblical thing. This is a heart thing. It's not an imprisoning place. What it is, is it is a voluntary, let me say that again. It is a voluntary surrender. Do you get that? It's not something that you're manipulated to do. It's not something that you're forced to do. When you come to God and you're following him, you submit to him. It is a voluntary surrender to put myself under God, to put myself down below God. And then he turns around and he asks the wives and tells the wives specifically that this is what you're supposed to do. And what I believe with all my heart, women, this is a doorway to influencing your husband. When you live within the realm of God's design. Oftentimes, though, we don't want to do this because we're not quite comfortable with who we are as women. We might act like we know who we are, but really, if you were to ask us, we would come up with a very confusing answer because a lot of times we really can't tell you who we are. And so what happens is when we feel like we have to submit, it feels like a lose-lose situation to us because then you might, I have needs, but you might not meet those needs, but I'm supposed to surrender those needs. Or it feels like I'm losing control, but I might need that control and I might need that power. But if I understand who God created me to be as a woman, we might find a different place in our heart from which to submit from. You see, when God created woman, or excuse me, when he created man, he said this. He said, it's not good for him to be alone. It wasn't good for the man to be alone. And so he said, I'm, gonna, I'm going to create a helper. I'm going to create a helpmate. I'm going to create a helpmeet that fits him, that is suitable for him, that in Jerry Maguire language, you complete me. That's how it translates in Hebrew, okay? You complete me. I know that it doesn't have, like, being a helper, it doesn't have, like, this, um, 
It's not attractive. It doesn't have any, like, it's not sexy is what it's not. I mean, you know, a little girl, four or five-year-old girl, goes around in her little pink princess outfit, dressed up in her plastic high heels and her crown, and saying, my prince is going to come get me, and I'm going to be his helper. That's, that's not what happens. But do you realize this, the same word that God is using to describe you? As your husband's help me, your husband's help to be a sustainer is the same word that's used of God 20 times in Scripture when it describes him as helper. When he comes along and he meets our needs, you are your husband's greatest ally. When you're going through a battle, you're standing in the gap. When he's wounded and injured, you're there to help pick him up and meet his needs. You are a carrier of God's image as a helper in your marriage. You made it complete. You are God's final signature on creation. This is your, to me, that, I'm excited about that. I mean, that's what God does and that's what I'm supposed to do. We are equal image bearers of God's image, both husband and wife, but I've been given this job. My husband's been given this job, and and I hope he does it well, but I need to do my job so I can help him do his job well. And we've been commanded to be on the same mission together. You're soldiering along with your husband in the same mission, while he may be leading that mission in submission, you are going on the same mission with him. So the very first reason that I can't communicate with my husband is I I just really, I reject this whole God's design thing. But I think it's beautiful how God designed it. It's completely the perfect way in which a husband's needs and a wife's needs get met if, it, if we follow the design. Because the wife's greatest need is to be loved by her husband. And it says that the husband is the head of the wife in Ephesians. Okay? And he is to love her as Christ loved the church. Man, can you get any greater love than that, women? You get that? Okay? And then your, your husband's greatest need is to be respected. And so when you are submitting to him and you're communicating to him honor respect do you see what you're doing you're operating in the realm of god's perfect design he's showing you love you're giving him respect but even if he doesn't do that first and foremost you are commanded by scripture and by god to submit to him how god's wired us how he's created us but it's not a marriage issue necessarily it's a spiritual issue of the heart if it's not happening but what happens is any spiritual issue it will spill over into your marriage and it will become what seems like a marriage issue isaiah 59 says but your sins have made a separation between you and your god so that he does not hear you let me tell you this, if, we're not fall, if we don't walk and step into this design that God has created, bluntly, we sin against God, women. And when we sin against God, it separates us from God so that he does not hear us. So if my sin separates my communication with God, how much more is it going to separate my communication with my husband? We're tempted quite often, I'm afraid, nowadays, because we don't care for that word very much, to edit God's version of what it really means and try to give it our own model. But I think we have to go right back. I think it was perfect just the way that God created. Can I get an amen on that? I don't think he needed my help then or now. You might be saying, okay, well, Lori, what if we're, what if we're not on the same mission? 
What if my husband's going this way spiritually and I'm going that way spiritually? Well, what then? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because Peter goes on and he addresses this. He says, submit to your husbands or be subject to your husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Ladies, your husband has a front row, magnified witness and view of your entire life. Doesn't matter what you communicate to your girlfriends. He got the real thing right there at home. So why can I not communicate to my husband? Because quite honestly, I don't follow this sometimes. And instead what happens is my communication, I communicate with my conduct, disrespect, and demand, and disgust. Let me ask you a question. Does your conduct, not your words, okay, does your conduct captivate your husband or nauseate him? Men, you're not allowed to answer. Or make a facial expression, either. Listen, Mike can read me like a book. He knows the temperature when he walks in the house, and I'm not talking about the thermostat. He can tell by my eye contact or lack thereof that I'm communicating to him, you know, you're home late again. But I didn't say anything. But just with my facial expression and just with my nonverbals and just with my conduct, where he comes up and he kisses me and on the back of the neck and I kind of, you know, like tense up, like I'm really busy, not now or later for that matter. But I communicate to him with my nonverbals. He knows it. He can read it. He can tell by the way I'm typing on the computer. He can tell by that I'm slapping the towels as I get ready to fold them. He can tell as I walk my footsteps in the room. I mean, he knows. He knows immediately. And we wonder why they go off and hide in another room. He's got it figured out. There was one time he was, uh, Mike is really great, amazing about helping me with things around the house. And uh, he was helping with the laundry. And um, I hope that didn't just make you jealous. I'm sorry. This is the way it is, women. But I hope your husband does too. Um, He was helping me with the laundry. And I walked in and I saw what he was doing. And all I did, I just went, And he turned around and he said, well, I can tell I didn't do something right. And what did I do? I said, I didn't say a word. To which his response is, you didn't have to. See, you've had this conversation in your house, right? And so I have to then go on and tell him why and explain and give my defense of my hot-headed breath that was coming out of my mouth. Well, I've told you like three or four times to to do the laundry this way. I can't remember what it was. Don't put the towels in with that or do it on this temperature or something. And he just looked at me and he said, look, I can either do it my way, but if I have to do it your way, it's not going to get done. So which do you want? And it dawned on me then. He wasn't like threatening me. He wasn't like saying, well, I'm just not going to help around here anymore. He was, you know what had happened? I had exasperated him. He was trying to do things to win my heart. He was trying to do things to please me. But by my conduct and by my words, I communicated him disgust and demand and disrespect. Proverbs 27, 15 says, A nagging wife is like the drip, drip, drip of a leaky faucet. You can't turn it off and you can't get away from it. Proverbs 25, 24 says, It is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop 
than to share a house with a disagreeing, quarrelsome, and scolding woman. Ladies, our conduct can create a climate to change. You can win him. He doesn't need you to be his mother, his analyst, his critic, his judge, his boss, his savior, or for you to play the role of the Holy Spirit in his life. Was that too bold? Listen, you may not notice, but men and women, we just think differently, okay? We emote differently. We process differently. Matter of fact, studies have shown that men's brains process complex emotional data seven times slower than yours. Ours are like those annoying Christmas lights down the street. They just turn them on, they just blink, 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 okay? But his, when it comes to emotional complex information, processes seven times slower, Men, that seven seconds to your wife when she's trying to explain something to you is eternity. But let's flip it, okay? Now, who's going to watch? Will, do you have a watch down here? Anybody have a watch? Can you time me? Okay, when I say go, I want you to time me. I want you to say stop when seven seconds is up. And I want you to see how many emotional things that I can communicate within seven seconds, okay? Are you ready? Okay, go. Do you know how many times I have told you how I feel and how many times that you never listen to me? Why can't you understand? You always do this. We can... <laughs> Thank you. Prove my point. Well, he, he said it wasn't seven seconds. He was getting annoyed. Men, is this not true? I mean, are you not completely overwhelmed? In like seven minutes, and so, I mean, this is what happens. They, they leave the room, or you're wanting to just lay in bed and talk because this argument erupts, and you want to keep talking about it, and he just wants to go, and finally he just falls asleep, and you're completely exasperated, wondering what just happened. You just wore him out, is what just happened. There, there was a letter that was written by Gary Oliver. Uh, matter of fact, I got it from this book. I highly, or excuse me, Gary Thomas. I highly, highly recommend women this book. It's one of the best books to women on marriage, Sacred Influence. You need to pick it up. But he said, he, there's this letter in there, and, and he writes it. And so you, this may be answer the question why your husband's always outside working on the car or on his motorcycle or in the boat or something like that. And here's why, okay? Now, men, I expect some amens here. This would be a good place for you to, to insert. This is what he said. A car takes, care, uh, takes me where I want to go without asking me how I feel about it. <laughs> Amen. A car lets me yell at the other drivers without saying, why are you so upset? A car lets me listen to the sports radio program without asking me what color I want to paint the kitchen. My car is absolutely clear about its needs. I know if the gas tank is full, half full, almost empty, or empty. My car would never respond to my inquiring about how much gas remained in its tank with words like, why don't you guess? Or, you should know without me having to tell you. Or, I've already told you five times. In short, my car lets my brain rest. I have 15% less blood flow to my brain than you do, so my brain needs more rest than yours does. My car understands this. My car respects this. I love my car. I'm just speaking straight up, ladies. We have these same things in our home too. We are men and women. Yes, we are preacher and his wife. We are human. We are sinners. We are growing. Marriage is tough. Communication is tough. 
and it is a process. The third reason I cannot communicate with my husband is because often my spirit is abrasive, noisy, and panicked. Peter says, don't let your adorning be external. He talks about the braiding of the hair, the putting on of jewelry, of fine clothes. He's, he's kind of giving a contrast here, okay? And you have to understand that who he's, we kind of have biblical characters in our mind like they just wore bed sheets or something like that. But, but who he's writing to, I mean, they would have these braids in their hair. They were intricate. It was meticulous. It took loads of time to get their hair adorned the way that they were, the way that it was. And, and they would wear this flamboyant jewelry. And, and he's not saying, listen, he isn't saying you can't braid your hair, and he's not saying you can't wear jewelry. Otherwise, he'd also be saying you can't wear clothes, which would make your husband very happy, but that's another message sermon someday. What he's saying is don't be concerned with the superficial. Look, I will never be as smooth that I once was. I've got wrinkles coming on everywhere or character lines. I'm not in the same shape. I will never be in the same shape. My hair color is changing rapidly. I just fake you out. We fake each other out by coloring it, do we not? We cannot fake, though, the hidden person of the heart that Peter speaks of here when he says, but let the hidden person of the heart be with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Now, let me go back to a phrase I've already used because this also is not a girl thing. I used to, quite honestly, I didn't like this verse when I was growing up. Gentle and quiet spirit to me seemed opposite than my personality because I was kind of like out there and loud and I didn't want to be quiet. I wanted to be loud. I wanted to be heard. I want to be excited. And so to me, like, telling me to do that, like, went against everything that I was. And yet, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and quiet in spirit. That's not a girl thing. That's a Jesus thing. So by its very nature, when we take on that character, we are becoming a model of Christ. Let me tell you what I've learned, what a gentle and quiet spirit is. Okay? Gentle and quiet spirit is who you are at the very core. A gentle and quiet spirit does not create disturbances, and it calmly bears the disturbances created by others. A gentle and quiet spirit can handle the dysfunction in others and be okay. A gentle and quiet spirit does not absorb dysfunction and allow it to define her reactions. A gentle and quiet spirit is surrendered heart at rest and does not panic in turbulence. A gentle and quiet spirit is confident and resolute and has no need to control. A gentle and quiet spirit is a powerful disposition. And women, let me tell you this. This is a place in your heart. It's so powerful. A man is attracted to a woman who is confidently in her soul and in her heart at rest. Not a picky woman and a woman that you can... that you can never please. When we're constantly noisy, griping, exploding, then what it does is it sends every testosterone-covered cell in your husband's body into a defensive position. 
The other night, I could tell that Mike was disturbed. I could tell that he was consumed. I could tell he was heavy-weighted. And quite honestly, so was I. Completely two different things. But all day long, he had spent kind of meeting my needs, ministering to me, hearing me, listening to me. Well, that night, he walked outside on the patio, and he just kind of went out there and sat alone. And I will tell you, what I, what, I'm, what I did is not something I've done my whole marriage. It takes me a long time to learn this. But I went outside, and the first thing I did is I opened the door, and, and I just said to him, um, do you need some quiet and space? Because it would be okay if he said, yeah, I do. You wouldn't need to be offended by that, because maybe he actually does. And he said, no, come on out. So I went out, and he's sitting like 20 feet from me. I'm sitting in another chair. It's just kind of the way the layout of the chairs were. And I didn't say anything. I just sat there. I was with him. And then pretty soon, he begins to talk. He begins to tell me his frustrations. He begins to tell me his struggles. And I'm just listening. I mean, he is like overflowing emotion. Why? Because it was a safe place to do so. If we create that kind of space for our husbands, listen, when I was listening to him, I could hear his imperfection. I could hear places he was wrong. But I also saw his struggle. I knew how to pray for my husband. I fell in love with him more that night just listening to him. Instead of a panicking, abrasive wife and spirit, we need to create a safe place where your husband can be who he is and you can help him along and stand in the gap in your marriage. You might say right now, Lori, I've been doing this for years and uh, my husband, he's still not a believer. He's far from God. Matter of fact, I'm like the spiritual leader in our home and and he, he, all this stuff that you're talking about, I've tried it. It's not working for me. And let me just say first that I am, I really mean this. I am, I am sorry. That is a hard place to be. It's lonely. It's a grieving place because you had a dream and a desire for a marriage that hasn't happened. But find hope in this. It says at the very end of that verse that you are precious when your conduct is this way, Jill and Quiet Spirit, that it is a precious thing. In the sight of God. And that word precious there is the same word that Jesus used to describe the ointment that Mary of Bethany poured out all over Jesus' feet. That was like a year's worth of salary. It was costly. It was a treasure. God's saying, look, when you're this way, you're a treasure to me. So don't lose hope in that. Don't let Satan get a foothold in your character and take it as a spirit of offense. Don't let him destroy you, but learn to do what they did as, as the scripture goes on in, in verse um, 5. It says this, it says, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Another reason I can't communicate with Mike is this, is when my attitude is hopeless and dishonoring. My attitude is one of those things that is kind of that settled thinking, that feeling towards something, and it comes out, it's reflected in our behavior. The most important word here in this, to me in this verse, it says that they hoped in God. You submit, ladies, 
out of an overflow of trust in God. This is the kind of hope that allows you to be submissive in difficulties. Jeremiah 17.5 says, This is what the Lord says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. For they're like a stunted shrub in the desert with no hope for the future. Listen, when things get tough, I don't want to be a shrub. Shrubs are prickly. You trip over them. That's not what I want to be when times get tough. I want to display hope in my attitude. I want to be honoring in my attitude. My husband, listen, ladies, there were a thousand men that were pulled. And they were asked a question about the love between them and their wives. And this is, this is the result of it. They said nine out of ten men said they feel like they love their, hus- their, their wife more than their wife loved them. Now, let's warm it up here and let's swallow that a little bit. Because you may say, well, that's not true. That's not true. Now, remember, communication is not just what you say. It's what the other person is receiving too, right? So if we're communicating in such a way that they think they love us more than we love them, what are we communicating to our spouses? She called him Lord. Now, I kind of, at first, I just got a Sharpie and wanted to mark that out. Because I didn't want to try to even explain that one. And the more I read it, the more I had fallen in love with that one little phrase, and she called him Lord. Because this is what it is. It wasn't like this one-time instance it was referring back to. The way that the tense and when she spoke this about her husband, it was this. It was an ongoing attitude of honor that she spewed out about her husband. And here's the test, okay? Can you be big girls and let me ask you some tough questions? How do you speak about your husband when you're speaking to him? How do you speak about him to him? How do you speak about your husband to your children? If I were to ask them, what does mommy think of dad? If you're divorced, listen, I know you've got wounds. And struggles, and they're yours. But don't create more wounds for your children to have to deal with later. Women, how do you describe your husband to your friends? What is your attitude about him to others in public? The last reason I can't communicate with my husband is is this, is because my thoughts and fears give way to insecurity. Or my thoughts give way to fear and insecurity. You are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. The reason that we become often afraid and insecure, I heard it put this way this weekend on a video I was watching, is because we compare our real life with a highlight reel of somebody else's life. Or we compare our version of our life and what we see to somebody else's edited Facebook version of their life. And we begin to go, well, I don't have that. Well, that's not fair. Well, I want that. Well, if my husband were that way, and we become insecure, and we become greedy, we begin to be afraid that maybe our needs will never get met like somebody else's needs are, and we're feeling insecure. And we erupt that and emote that all over our husband. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says that blessed, I'm going to say the woman, to put it in context, blessed is the woman who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. She is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes. For its leaves remain green, 
is not anxious in the year of drought and bears fruit, does not cease to bear fruit in season. If Abraham is the father of faithfulness, our example, Sarah is the example of obedience and trust. Women, can you relate to these things of why I keep communicating with my husband? Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of the men are going, I don't know what I would have said, but those are the words I would have said. I couldn't have come up with them on my own, maybe. These are the reasons why I cannot communicate with my husband. I love the verse in Proverbs 12, 24. It says, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Let me tell you, I have been this. It is an intimate, cherished place to be. It is good. Then it goes on to say, but she who shames him is like rottenness to his bones. And can I say this? I have been this. It is the most toxic, poisonous, decaying place of soul. You know, I actually didn't mean for her head to pop so quickly. <laughs> But as I was blowing it up, you know when you're blowing up a balloon in a room and, and it starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger and you begin to feel like, oh my goodness, when is it going to explode, erupt, pop, that tension? Would your husband describe your communication with him that way? Your relationship with him that way? My husband would quite often, honestly. He may walk into a room and not know. I mean, if I say this, is she going to erupt? If I do that, is she going to explode? Maybe I shouldn't do anything at all. And having trained like our dog, when I react this way, his conduct displays this. Our dog's named Khaki, and if he does something wrong, all we have to do is go, Khaki, and immediately his tail is tucked and he's crawling under the table. I want to be with my husband. I don't want him hiding out on the corner of a rooftop. Because I'm quarrelsome and abrasive. I want to be confident, gentle, and quiet, and know who God has created me to be and trust completely in God. I ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you some questions. If I were to ask you about your marriage, you told me that that you're not happy in your marriage right now, I would, I would probably want to ask you some more questions. I would, I would want to know if you're happy, period. Are you insecure? You brought this baggage in, lies that you believe, fear, and it's just being spilled over into your marriage. Ladies, can you imagine the testimony it would be to your husband if he saw a transformation in your heart that he could look at and go, that's not how she used to be. That is a miracle. That it can only be explained by a supernatural work of God in my wife's life and heart. Where, ladies, in your heart, and what do you need to first and foremost take right now and submit before God? Men, let me speak to you for a minute. 
She imagined in your mind that you're drafted for World War III, no matter what your age, no matter what your position at work, and you're put in a platoon, and you're assigned a captain of this troop. Would it matter to you if he had a plan for what you were doing? If he was confident? Would it matter to you if he just stepped back and he didn't really care? He was just kind of apathetic. I don't know. We'll get to the enemy sometime. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to go out and fight. I don't, know. I don't really know where the artillery is, the guns are, or anything like that. But yeah, we're going to go. And, and would you feel confident with that? Let me tell you something, men. So many times I hear women who come and say, I just wish my man, my husband, would lead me, would lead our home spiritually. Man, men, time to step up. Women, it's time to be the, the woman that God has designed you to be. God, we lay our hearts before you completely open and raw. God, I pray that even conversations as, as, as we leave here, that God, you would be in the center of them. God, be here right now. Help us to hear your voice be transparent before you. In Jesus' name.